Welcome back to the Dirt Show. A lot has happened since the last time we were together. First time in American history, almost 250 years. Uh, former president has been indicted. That's not the most important headline. The most important headline is the first time a potential future president, a candidate for president, has been indicted by a functionary of the opposite party. That's really the Rubicon that's been crossed. Well, he's in New York. I know he's in New York because as he was getting on his plane to New York, he sent me a, a message. Um, uh, here's what it says. Alan, getting ready to leave for New York and can't really believe it. Those maniacs want to destroy our country. So sad. Nothing on Hunter or Biden or their crimes are so bad. Anyway, your words, I think he's referring to my book, Get Trump. Yeah. Your words, he said, are very important. Save America, Donald Trump. P.S. Congratulations on the book. Doing really well. Well, you can help it do even better. I know there's a backlog in getting the book, but A, you can get it on Kindle within two minutes. And B, if you order it, it'll come and uh, you can get it. Uh, so please order it. What's important is that there be a lot of orders of the book. That puts it on the bestseller list, and that sends a message to Greg and others that there are people watching and that there are people who are going to hold you accountable. Now, in New York, uh, Bragg's a hero. Uh, the New York Times had a story uh, yesterday uh, outlining how this case came to be, and it said that originally Bragg said, no, there's no case here. We're not going to bring it. And he got pilloried. He got murdered. Uh, by New York politicians, by Democrats, by people in his office, and he couldn't resist the pressure. Nothing changed. There was no new witnesses came forward. Uh, no new law was developed. Just more pressure uh, was put, and so we indicted. Of course, we don't know what's in the indictment. I think I have a clue. I think there's something secret in the indictment. I think that Michael Cohen will testify under oath on his credibility Michael Cohn will testify that he actually saw with his own eyes, with his own eyes, Donald Trump tearing the tag off a mattress in 1996. Now, the statute of limitations hasn't gone because he slept on that mattress every night, every night since. And look, if he tore off the mattress, no one's above the law. If you tear, it says it right on the mattress tag. It is against the law to remove this mattress. He's not above the law. If that's the law, he has to be uh, prosecuted. Obviously, I joke, but that's the implications of the argument these jerks are making. No one's above the law. If he's done the time, if he's done the crime, he's done the time. You know, when I was a young civil rights observer and I was training to go down south, we were told by instructors, don't spit on the sidewalk. Don't put out your cigarettes on the sidewalk. You're being targeted. They're going to turn that into a felony destruction of government property. Well, you know, the people today who are justifying the Trump indictment will say, look, you did the crime. Nobody's above the law. You actually put the cigarette out on the sidewalk. You spit. You actually spit on the sidewalk. You're guilty. Why are you saying just because nobody else has ever been prosecuted? Yeah, that's what we're saying. Because in the South, the segregationist Jim Crow sheriffs and police were targeting civil rights workers, were taking tiny little, little, little misdemeanors, that even misdemeanors, their offenses, they usually get what, five, 
$5,000 penalty, turning him into felonies. That's what's going on here. And what a scandal, what a shame that a, a decent district attorney like Alvin Bragg would be relying on the precedent of the Jim Crow South, essentially, to create crimes to target people. In the Deep South, people would run for sheriff saying, get those civil rights workers. We're going to put them in jail. Get those radicals from the North. Get those. And then they would use a terrible word to describe people who came down their racial terms, et cetera. Get them, get them, get them. That's what's going on now. Now, obviously, people will say there's a difference. This is a good cause. We're trying to get rid of Trump. The other was a bad cause. We were trying, they were trying to get uh, to impose segregation. Yeah, but the legal issues are similar enough to make us to make us worry and make us uh, concerned. So tomorrow will be a very, very dark day. Uh, in American uh, history, a very, very dark day for the rule of law, a very dark day for everything I've struggled against uh, all of my all of my life. And again, you all know I'm not a Trump supporter. Donald Trump writes to me because he knows I'm a supporter of the Constitution. And he referred to me in his Waco speech and he called me on the phone uh, to thank me for speaking up, not so much for him, but for for the Constitution. And so We'll see what happens tomorrow. Let me just give you a law school class outline. I'm going to tell you right away, I'm not an expert in New York local law. I have handled 25 New York cases, probably um, several murder cases, uh, attempted murder cases, murder cases, and I've won almost all of them. Uh, so I've had a very high success rate in the state courts of, of, of New York, but I'm not an expert. I don't do it every day. But from my understanding generally of how law operates, here's what's going to happen. Uh, Trump will be driven in his motorcade. Uh, probably they'll go through the garage entrance to the uh, state courthouse, a place I've been in many times. Uh, it's right next to the, the Frank Hogan building, named after the legendary district attorney of New York, Frank Hogan, who would be turning over in his grave about such a prosecution as would my friend Bob Morgenthau, the former DA of, of New York, um, uh, they were they were the personification of nonpartisan uh, objective uh, law enforcement. So he'll be taken down into the basement parking lot. Uh, he'll be surrounded by the Secret Service, which is an obligation under law. He'll be taking, taken to, uh, I don't know what the order will be, the DA and the police will determine that, but Basically, what will happen, he will be, he will be booked, uh, arraigned, bailed. And uh, so what does book mean? Book means that he'll be fingerprinted. He'll be admitted into the system. They'll put his fingers on ink and then make his fingers of both hands um, uh, leave a mark. And they'll have his fingerprints on file uh, for forever. And he will be photographed. Uh, will they call it a mugshot? They'll probably try not to, but it will be a mugshot. And it will become the best-selling T-shirt in modern history, much like uh, in, my, in my home on Martha's Vineyard, we have a mugshot picture of Frank Sinatra, my favorite singer. Um, and um, uh, he, was, he was arrested for seducing, for seduction. When he was like 18, he seduced like a 17-year-old, and so he was arrested and arraigned and mugshot. And so his mugshot became very famous. Trump's will become at least 
as famous. So he'll be booked. Um, then um, he'll be arraigned and uh, he will be asked the question whether he pleads guilty or non-guilty. And uh, he will say not guilty. He doesn't have to answer. If he doesn't answer, which is his is right not to do, a not guilty um, uh, entry will be made. Uh, but he'll answer and he'll say very firmly, I am not guilty. And he'll do it, you know, in his typical Trumpian, Trumpian voice. And the judge will say, OK. And then a couple of other technicalities will occur when the next hearing will be, etc. The indictment will be handed to him if it hasn't been handed to him already. Um, and he'll have a chance to read it. It'll be made public. We'll all have a chance to read it. We'll see what the 30 some odd charges are. You know, when I was a kid, I worked in a deli. And my boss, who wanted to save money, would give me a salami. And he'd say, slice it into as many thin pieces as you can. And sometimes we got 30 or 32 pieces of salami. That's what prosecutors do. They just take the salami, the one crime, uh, the hush money payment, the misreporting, and they slice it into 32 crimes. They charge every single phone call as a crime, every single uh, payment as a crime. So we'll see. We'll see 32 crimes. We'll read the arraignment. Then the big issue tomorrow, uh, and I don't think it'll be a big issue, but there's speculation that it will. There are people who are now saying that the judge will grant Donald Trump bail on condition, on condition that he not speak about, and then he'll list the conditions about things he can't speak about. So I'm going to make news here. I'm not going to defend Donald Trump. I've done that once. I have a general rule. I like to defend people only once. No, I will organize an amicus curiae brief on behalf of me and many other people who would be deprived of our First Amendment right to hear Donald Trump if there is a gag order. Let's remember, and this is a liberal justice, Justice Thurgood Marshall, who I knew very well. I knew him when he was one of the people who was part of the training program of us going down south when he was head of the NAACP, and then he became a judge in the United States Court of Appeals, and then he became a justice of the Supreme Court. And he famously said that the First Amendment has two mirror image elements. One we all know about, the right of the speaker to speak, Donald Trump's right to get out in front of the courthouse and say, that judge engaged in an injustice. That judge violated the Constitution. He has a perfect 100% right to say that. That's not the only right under the First Amendment. I have the right to listen to him. You have the right to listen to him. I have the right to listen to everything he says so that I firm up my view that I'm not going to vote for him. Uh, maybe he'll persuade me. Who knows? Anything's possible. Unlikely, but possible. But the point I want to make is I, you, and every other American who wants to listen to Donald Trump, whether we agree with him or not, have an equal First Amendment right to Donald Trump's. And I will bring a lawsuit on behalf of those of us who want to listen to Donald Trump to vindicate our First Amendment rights to hear him. It would be outrageous if a candidate for president of the United States was told what he could say, what he couldn't say, that's Iran, that's China, that's Belarus, that's the former Soviet Union, that's Hamas, that's not the United States of America. No democratic judge can, ten, can tell 
a Republican candidate for president, what he can say and what he can't say. And if he tries to do it, see you in court, Your Honor, and we'll beat you because the Supreme Court of the United States will not tolerate that kind of political censorship. So I don't think he's going to do it. The judge is too smart to take, our, to take us on and to take on the Constitution because he knows what the result will be. It won't even require going up to the Supreme Court. We would take it up to the Courts of Appeals in New York. We'd win there. He would take it up to the uh, Court of Appeals in the United States Courthouse. We'd win there. And worse comes to worse, we would take it up to the United States Supreme Court. And the decision would be unanimous. It would be nine to nothing. There wouldn't be a single dissenting vote. That's how powerful the First Amendment is. And it's not something that should ever divide liberals and conservatives, Democrats or Republicans. The First Amendment is too important. And you don't lose your First Amendment right because a grand jury indicts a ham sandwich. We hear over and over again from the judge when he instructs the jury, an indictment doesn't mean anything. It's just like how you begin a lawsuit, how you begin a criminal process. Uh, all it required was a vote of 12 chairs to uh, 11 chairs. I say chairs because grand jurors aren't told to think. They're told to do what the prosecutor says. And they always do. Even in a case like this, where they're relying on the credibility of Michael Cohn, who's been, by the way, writing me and emailing me because he uh, told that terrible defamatory lie about me. He's prepared to take it down now, etc. Not enough. Not enough. Uh, you know, see in court. Um, so um, we're not going to see uh, bail conditioned on what he can say and what he can't say. And if the judge were to say, no, you can't say this, Donald Trump should say, sorry, Your Honor, but the First Amendment prevails. I'm going to say it. And uh, he should, again, bring a lawsuit. And I will put together a very good legal team. And hopefully we'll even be able to get some liberals. Maybe, maybe even the American Civil Liberties Union will join in the suit. They would lose a fortune of money if they did. All their contributors would say, how oh, you're defending Trump? How can you defend? Well, it's the First Amendment. No, the First Amendment doesn't apply to Trump. This is Donald Trump. Donald Trump, he doesn't have rights. We're entitled to take away his First Amendment rights, his Fifth Amendment rights, his Fourth Amendment rights, his due process rights, and his right of free speech. Yeah, we are, but what about us? How can you take away our First Amendment right to listen to what he has to say. Well, the ACLU supporters will say, you can't, but we want to do it anyway. We don't want to be associated with Donald Trump. And we don't want to be associated with Alan Dershowitz and others who are associated with Donald Trump. We have learned from McCarthyism how important it is to cancel people who are associated with people who are associated and who are associated and represent and are legally. We're going to copy McCarthyism. After all, the ACLU during McCarthyism was not their finest hour. Many ACLU branches did not have the courage to stand up to the ACLU. The ACLU didn't stand up to the detention of Japanese Americans uh, as firmly and strongly as they uh, could have. The ACLU is a very, very mixed record on civil liberties, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. This is a chance. This is a chance to vindicate themselves a little bit. And I predict it'll make people lose sleep. But in the end, the ACLU would actually come in 
and be on my side of this one and say, no, a judge on the basis of an indictment for a crime like this, a Mickey Mouse non-crime, uh, cannot impose limitations on what a presidential candidate can say and what the millions of people who want to hear him can say. He's supposed to speak tonight at 8.15, tomorrow night, I'm sorry, at 8.15 from Mar-a-Lago. Is the judge going to tell him he can't do that? Is the judge going to tell him that hundreds of thousands of people who are going to listen to his speech can't listen to his speech? Or is the judge going to say, well, you can say this, but you can't say that. You can say it this way, but you can't say it that way. You can't criticize me. I'm a judge. You can't criticize the jurors or the prosecution. You can't do anything like that. Maybe, you know, you can say you're innocent. All right, we'll, we'll give you that, but we're not going to let you start um, going off on a tangent about the legal system. I, I don't think the judge is going to do that. I think he's too smart for that. But you never know. When it's up to Donald Trump, all bets are off. There are two systems of justice right now in America. The system of justice for Donald Trump, his lawyers, his associates, his family, anybody who has anything to do with him, and another system for the rest of us. And I'm part of that first system, even though I don't vote for him, um, because I defended him once. And I've had bar complaints and, you know, other kind of sanctions threatened and you name it just because I defended Donald Trump. And lawyers won't defend Donald Trump because they don't want to be, quote, Dershowitz. They don't want to have happened to them what happened to me. Well, I have been Dershowitz already, so I'm somewhat immunized from that. You know, I've had COVID, so I'm immunized from COVID. I've been canceled by Martha's Vineyard, so I'm immunized from that. My wife and family, on the other hand, they're not so immunized, and they really do take the brunt of the horrible criticism I get and what any judge would get. Any judge who does anything that rules in favor of Donald Trump will never, ever get reelected or reappointed to any judicial position. It will be the end of their career in the borough of Manhattan. Do you want the legal system to operate that way? And if Bragg hadn't prosecuted him, he would have lost his election. Do you want the legal system to turn on whether or not a judge or a prosecutor will be reelected? That's where we're going. And it's a very dark place and a very dangerous place. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life, I don't know how many years the good Lord gives me. I just came back to my doctor today and I got a pretty good report, but I'm going to devote the rest of my life to making sure that we don't reach that dark place, that the attacks on Donald Trump, the Trump derangement syndrome, doesn't turn itself into a constitutional derangement syndrome. So that's my commitment to you. And keep watching the show and keep sending me letters and tell me whether you agree or disagree. But most important for me, at least, if you want to send a message to Bragg and others like Bragg, make my book, Get Trump, a bestseller. Over the weekend, it was number two uh, Amazon uh, bestseller among nonfiction, but it'll never make the New York Times bestseller list because it's rigged. How is it rigged? Independent bookstores don't sell Get Trump. They don't like the title. They don't like books that defend Trump in any way, so they don't sell it. And the New York Times won't put a book on the bestseller list, even if it sells more copies than other books, if it only gets sales through Amazon or Barnes and Noble, you have to get them through the local bookstores, but the local bookstores don't sell Get Trump. So um, um, you should call your local bookstore. Uh, 
and tell them what you think about them not handling get a Trump. But you can still order it. You can order it on Kindle. You can order it uh, regularly. It's not going to come tomorrow um, because there have been delays as a result of this. But just make it clear to everybody that you want to get get Trump. And that will send a very powerful message to Bragg and his cohorts. Okay, let's look at some um, mail. Got a lot of mail over the weekend. Professor, I have no doubt you're a principled person and not receiving money from Trump to state your opinions. That's true, of course. Um, But you stated, however, in the past that you essentially represent your clients for life. So do you consider yourself still under an obligation to defend Trump from legal accusations against him? It's a very good question. No, I don't. And I have stated publicly, if there was evidence of a real crime, I mean real evidence, not Michael uh, Cohen evidence, but real evidence of a real crime, I would not defend him. I don't feel obligated uh, to defend him. What I said was that I feel an obligation over my lifetime to defend him against the charges that I represented him on. So yes, I do feel an obligation to defend Donald Trump against the unconstitutional impeachment that I defended him in, but not not against new charges. That's a great question. That's the kind of question I would give uh, a law student an A for asking that kind of question. It's a very, very smart and good question. Okay. In some future video, I'd like to hear your strongest argument for the existence of God finely tuned universe, and the strongest argument against God, Hitler. Years ago, I remember you saying you were agnostic based on a dangerous airline incident, and thank you so much for the wonderful contents. Well, I was in, a, in a, an airplane a near disaster. A couple of people were hurt, but uh, the pilot saved us, but it looked like we might die. And I wrote letters to my children, but I didn't pray. I didn't think of God. There are There is such a thing as an atheist in the foxhole. I was in the foxhole, and I didn't think of God. But I'm not an atheist. How can anybody be certain about anything regarding God? I have been an agnostic since I'm 10 years old. When I was 10 years old, I wrote a variation of the Jewish blessing, Baruch Atah Adonai, blessed are you, O God. And I changed it to Baruch Atah, I don't know. Baruch Atah, I'm not sure. Baruch atah, tell me why. Baruch atah, I deny. Baruch atah, still not sure. Baruch atah, tell me why. So, you know, I've always been a skeptic. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about evolution. I'm not sure about the Big Bang Theory. It was Learner Hand, the great judge, who said the most important element of democracy is uncertainty. That uh, he used to quote, I beseech you in the bowels of Christ that you might be wrong. I think that was Cromwell who said that. Uh, But in any event, that's been my philosophy all of my life. I might be wrong. You might be wrong. That's why we need freedom of speech. That's why we need due process of law, because we might be wrong. Okay, so I don't know. I would never try to inflict my views about God on anybody. I have an essay in a new book that's coming out in another couple of months. I have a book on killing who shall live and who shall die under the law. And in it, I have an essay in which I say, I can't prove God's existence, but I can't disprove his non, I can't prove his non-existence. I can't disprove his existence. So I'm going to remain uncertain. And, you know, I hope, wouldn't it be nice when I die? Um, I'm surprised. And there he is in heaven. And even more surprising, I'm in heaven. Oh, my God. A lot of my critics would be very upset about that. 
but there I am. And God says, see, you should have believed in me. You should have believed in me. And I say, look, I, I really used the brains you gave me and I came to no certain conclusion. Are you going to punish me for having used the brains you gave me and come to an uncertain conclusion? And he's going to say, no, 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 you tried your best. And that's not a basis for keeping somebody out of heaven. Jefferson wrote that to his uh, nephew, that if there is a God, he will never, never uh, punish you for, in the end, not believing in him if you tried your best to decide what the, the most honest answer to that question is. So I live by that Jeffersonian um, uh, principle. Um, you know what's great about being principled? It's so much easier to live with yourself and sleep soundly at night. To live with yourself, yes. To live with other people in an unprincipled world, mm, not so much. We live in a world of partisanship, uh, of unprincipled hypocrisy. And you're going to pay a price if you try to live a principled life. But as the subtitle to my book, The Price of Principle, says, integrity is worth the consequences. Okay. I feel like our grand jury system needs to be changed. No, it needs to be abolished. It's a horrible system, but let's see the rest of the question. It needs to be changed where the jury can see both sides, not just the side the prosecution wants it to see. Luckily, in Trump's case, Costello was able to speak on his behalf, or I fear it would have been an indictment. Well, this letter must have been written before there was an indictment, but Costello spoke, and there was still an indictment because the grand jury will indict a ham sandwich or prosecutor wants him to. The grand jury should be abolished. It's a disgrace. Uh, it was intended as a protection against overzealous prosecutor. It's, became, it's become a handmaiden to prosecutors. It's become an aid to prosecutors. It's become the anathema of the criminal uh, defendant in the criminal defense bar. I bet you if you took the 100 most prominent defense lawyers in America, probably 90% would say abolish the grand jury. Uh, now, the alternative isn't good either, because the alternative is that the prosecution can uh, decide. There's an alternative in some states. It's called a preliminary hearing, where both sides can present their arguments, and the judge then decides um, whether there's probable cause. That's probably the least worst of all the bad systems, but the current grand jury system is by far the worst, and it undercuts completely the intention of the framers of the Fifth Amendment. I wish you were my uncle. So rational and brilliant. We need more of him. Well, you know, uncles aren't always so rational. I've had, I had a lot of good uncles. I had, I had some, some interesting uncles, and one of them is still alive. My, my favorite current uncle, of course, he's my only uncle, is 97 years old. He just wrote a book called The Dershowitz Family Saga, in which he details the history of our family from Poland to uh, Williamsburg, to Brooklyn, you know, to, and then Israel. Many of them now live in Israel. So my 97-year-old uncle, Zaki Zaharia, is a, is a great man. And uh, I wish everybody had uncles like him. He is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, okay, a couple more questions. Alan, the far left has usurped so much of what was actual liberal for the honest people of New York, it would feel like they are occupied by the Soviet Union. Quitting, in effect, means leaving everything they've built. No, I'm not asking anybody to leave New York. 
The problem is there are very few liberals left. Uh, the world has become divided into radicals on the right and the left, more so today on the left. There are radicals on the right, obviously. Congresswoman Green and some of the other people uh, have distorted the meaning of true conservatism, which is small government and uh, um, choice about how to lead one's life. Um, but true liberals have also been um, um, marginalized. And now what we see is uh, the Democratic Party and the left being dominated by woke, progressive, illiberal sentiments. So I'm, I'm upset and I'm going to remain a liberal, but I may become um, uh, an anachronism in a world which liberalism is confused with radicalism. A lot of people on the right attack liberals. No, no, you shouldn't attack liberals. You should attack radicals. I am more, I am more upset at radicals on the left than of conservatives. I have more friends among reasonable middle-of-the-road conservatives than I do among radical leftists. Okay. Um, Professor, what are the chances the judge in the Trump case imposes a gag order? Well, you've heard me on that. I think the chances are are very slight, but it could happen. And if it happens, um, I'll be there to defend the First Amendment. Love you, Dersh. How you stand by the Constitution. I will buy your book next month. No, buy it now, not next month. Buy it now. Thank you. Professor, could the attorney generals of the various states indict Alvin Bragg for interfering in the federal election to be held in their states? No, I don't think that would be possible. First of all, in most jurisdictions, the crime has to be committed within the jurisdiction. And uh, I don't think Bragg's been traveling much outside of, uh, of Manhattan. Remember, New York is a strange place. We have a mayor, mayor for all five boroughs. You have a police department, which covers all five boroughs, but the district attorney is only for each borough. So there's a Manhattan district attorney, a Queens district attorney, a Bronx district attorney, a Staten Island district attorney, Brooklyn district attorney, and each one is elected separately and they have their own they have their own staff. Okay. Professor Dershowitz, since Trump's alleged affair took place in 2006 and he made payments in 2016, I understood the case. He made the payments, no influence on their election. But if Daniels extorted him in 2016, not 2006, I think that would exonerate him, right? Well, it would explain why he made the payments in 2016, that it doesn't necessarily mean that he did it solely to affect the election. It was the time when Stormy Daniels had the most publicity, would have had the most publicity in the run-up to an election. So you can easily see why uh, hush money would be paid to prevent it from coming out at the time when the threat was to disclose it. Tomorrow at this time, we'll know what's in the indictment. Uh, it will be read and made available to the public probably around 2.30 if it's not leaked earlier, if it's not made public earlier. And we sure will have a lot to talk about tomorrow. But, you know, do your homework between now and tomorrow. Read Get Trump and you'll be better prepared for what's in the indictment. See you tomorrow.